on today's Compassion Radio. They could sense something big was coming and was not going to be good. Then the war started abruptly and foiled all those plans. But Lena was stuck with the responsibility of trying to figure out what to do with all these international students. It turned out to be a group of well over 20 or 30 people. She was given the task of somehow getting out of Kharkiv to the West. No resources, just a train led them across country under fire while the bombs are being dropped and the tanks are moving in on Ukraine. She had just finished doing that in the couple of days before we got there. Today on Compassion Radio, we're going to start a new series called Serve Ukraine. And the discussions that we'll have and the interviews that you'll hear will be from Bram's time in Romania and Moldova, visiting the refugees and the people that are serving refugees coming out of Ukraine by the hundreds of thousands. So welcome to Compassion Radio. And Bram, I'm excited to hear your stories about your time over there. You know, over the years, Norman Shear did this frequently when he would take trips or she would. And they come back to the table and say, okay, what what stories can we tell? Because that's what motivated people to actually get involved and to not just think, but to pray and to give and make it possible for there to be a difference made by the kingdom. And that's what we're mm-hmm. trying to do now. Exactly. You mentioned Serve Ukraine is the title of this series, and it's also going to be the title attached to a project. Now, we've joined a coalition of many ministries including folks that are involved at the Evangelical Theological Seminary there in Kiev that serves so many denominations. People on the ground right now inside Ukraine and in surrounding countries that are very actively right now meeting needs, even going behind enemy lines in order to get supplies to people inside the cities that are completely enclosed, including Kiev and Mariupol and other parts of the country that you see in the news every night. So I want everyone that's hearing this program right now to understand that we'll be talking a lot about this project called Served Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And here's how we could do it. I'm keeping it really simple here because most people that we're talking to have cell phones. So what we're going to do is do a text to give campaign specifically for this. Of course, you can give through our normal channels like abashradio.com. But I want everyone to start memorizing this address and this handle and let your friends know about it. Small gifts, large gifts alike are welcome and will go directly to this project that's trying to help those who are most at risk right now throughout Ukraine and all over Europe. Text the word Serve Ukraine. So one word, S-E-R-V-E, and of course Ukraine is spelled U-K-R-A-I-N-E. So Serve Ukraine to 53445. If you'll just text that combined word to 53445, it'll pop right up for you, a link to a giving page that you'll be able to choose the gift you want to give. And you can also promote that to your friends. I'm going to encourage you, if you have a Facebook account or anything like that, to do that. Make sure people know that you're with us on this and that you are wanting others to join with you and making a difference right now as soon as possible for those who are doing the work that we all wish we could be doing to help the church help those who are most in need. Well, this is an easy and an efficient way to give to these organizations that we're partnering with right now, and it will go directly to them and help so many people. So I really do hope our listeners will get on board with that and share it with their friends as well. We're going to keep on going here, talking about your time in Ukraine, Bram. We're going to start at day one, basically, when you are on the ground and you head off for a city that is right on the border that is welcoming refugees in. And I want you to introduce us to some people that you met there. And we're actually going to share a little bit of the sound bites that you gathered while you were there. And on our website, we'll have some links to pictures that they can see as well. So tell us a little bit about that time and where you were on the border. 
Well, our partner again for these projects on the ground has been Conscious International. We've joined with them a number of times down in Central Africa, through Uganda, Rwanda, and Congo. I've traveled with Dr. Jennings through Greece and other parts of the Middle East because they have many projects in many of these countries. Some of our projects will be focused on how to help the refugees that are flooding through Romania. Most, as we know, have gone through Poland. That route may stay open. It may not because the way the attacks on the western city of Lviv are happening now, the trains may be cut off. The overland exit from Ukraine for those who are running for their lives is pouring over into Moldova and Romania predominantly now, right below the southern border with Ukraine. We went there to see how many churches, how many organizations are doing things right along the border. Are the governments doing a good job with their own relief work as far as providing shelter and food and clothing where it's needed right at the borders? Are they moving them fast through towards the West? What's happening? That was the whole point of this trip, was to see who's doing what and who can we partner with to make a difference. So we made a plan for about six days in-country, and we were going to fly into um, Moldova. That was the plan. The day we actually bought our tickets to go to Moldova, the president of that country shut down the airspace because Russian missiles had already been flying over the country and attacking the ships out in the Baltic Sea. And we weren't hearing much about that in the news, but one of their tankers is still on fire out there 20 or 30 miles off the coast. So they know that they're in danger right now. So they shut down the airspace, which meant we couldn't fly there. So we had to regroup. And the only place we'd get that was close to there was going to be through Bucharest, Romania. So we got there first, and then the next morning flew immediately up to Yash is the name of the town. It's spelled I-A-S-I. And it's kind of a college town on the border with Moldova up in the northeast part of Romania. So that's where we landed, and we contracted the driver through some other pastors we knew. He picked us up sight unseen, and he was a very active member of his church there in Yash, and he said, you know, you might want to meet my pastor. That was the very first thing he said to us, which was a pretty good start. And so we said, fine, if we're here in Yash, let's go meet him. He said, well, he's not at the church right now. He's at the border doing work. We went, fine, that's exactly why we're here. So we jumped in this car, got our stuff to the hotel right away, and then ran for the border, which is about maybe 15 miles or so away. And we found not total chaos happening, but it was very overloaded for sure. If you can imagine a border crossing like it was a small town in any state in America that might have bridges going across a river that starts the next state, there are a thousand of these kind of crossings between these countries. They're not separated by big spaces. They are like right next to each other. And the border between Moldova and Romania is just a little river, the River Plute, they call it. And it's about as big as a creek. Every 10 miles, you got a bridge going across there, and they all have a checkpoint. Moldova is not part of the EU, but Romania is. So they have to have customs, that kind of stuff. This particular crossing had like one stall that was supposed to handle the traffic coming out of Moldova and into Romania, and the same thing on the other side of the bridge. Two-lane road. Which says something about their typical traffic. Yeah, exactly. It's not a huge thing to go through. It's like a farm-to-market kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they have the fields of grain on both sides of the river and herds of cattle and goats and that kind of stuff. Normal things you expect in rural parts of Europe. But this road was backed up on the Moldovan side for, I don't know, two or three miles. And it was a very light day. So we went out there to see this pastor. I was expecting to see somebody who was out there doing pastoral things, <laughs> like you know, passing out Bibles or bringing food or whatever. We met a guy that looked like he was ready for an expedition. He was racing to and fro, talking to people left and right, and he was coordinating two or three different delivery trucks that were offloading buildings at the same time. And so in between all of these chores, our driver named Mirel introduced us to this pastor who was, we called him Pastor Adi. He would explain like a sentence or two at a time what he was doing there and why it was important. 
and we try to catch the story in bits and pieces between all the things he had to do. His story was that he was surveying all the people that were serving at his little crossing there, which again is about 10 or 12 miles from where his church is, and realized that there was plenty of people handing out things like water bottles or luggage and things if they didn't have it, and had lots of other small things to give away. The churches just came out in force for that, and so did the people in the village. But nobody knew what to do with them when they came across the border. They could legally come in, but there were no government services. There were no transportation centers or anything because it was just a small road in the middle of a county. So he said they need information. They didn't know how to go from here to there and who's actually going to help them. They know nothing. Mm. He had decided to ask the mayor of that little hamlet, can we just have some land and set up a center? And the mayor had told him, well, of course, but how can you do that? You've never done that here. We have no facilities. He said, I'll take care of that. So about half a mile back from the border point, there was an open lot there, like a gravel lot that trucks would use to offload uh, things for road construction, Department of Transportation lot, sitting right along the highway there. And he said, if we can have this piece of ground, I can put a center on here tomorrow. And they said, you can't do that. He said, watch me. We were there while they were offloading these construction containerized uh, offices, like you might see on a construction site anywhere in the world. And these cranes were lifting them off and putting them down on foundations they had just built dropped them in place, and they had another larger building that was coming in later. It was going to be like a reception center between these two office buildings. One side was going to be for counseling and for mothers to have some privacy to feed their children or for going through supplies to get diapers and whatever else they might need for the journey to come. The other side would have counseling and advice, and in the middle would be this big room where they would have basic comfort things, a little bit of warmth because it was so, so cold. And they would have like a a tea bar there to be able to make hot tea and get something to eat. And then sit down with volunteers to find out more about where they were. Actually show maps, show where the cities were, and find out what their plans were and just hear their stories. So his whole ambition, I got to say is wonderful, was to get them in a safe place and hear the stories. And then from what they told him, say, I know how I can help you. But it all started with actually listening to refugees, not just moving them or telling them what to do. Mm. Now, Pastor Adi really impressed you, not just with his doing of his work, but some of the things that he said. And we're going to share a little sound clip of that here in just a minute. But I want you to summarize, Graham, what Pastor Adi said to you that was so profound that you knew that you had to share his story, not just because of the things that he was doing, but what he was challenging his congregation to do. You know, for about, I don't know, 30 or 40 years that Norman Share were at this, and for about the 10 or 20 that I've been doing this with them, there's something you notice about people who just get it. When they're in a situation that is completely unprecedented, and they snap into a mode where you just know that they're praying their way through it and acting on the courage that comes through God answering their prayers and leading and guiding them, they tend to engage and be aware. They're open, they're gracious, they're generous, but they're absolutely about kingdom business. Mm -hmm. This pastor was one of those kind of guys. He knew what the Spirit was telling him was needed there to do this specific thing that nobody else would have done because he was praying his way through it. And he knew that information was going to be life-giving for these people who were confused and didn't know why they ended up in the small corner of Moldova and Romania. But there they were. They were going to love them through it and give them what they needed to survive another day and to get someplace else safe and more in-country. That was required of him. He just sensed that. So that's why he explained us the story. God told us we must do this. Now, when God says you must do something, you're probably pretty wise to do it. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have all the resources at hand that you will need to accomplish that thing. 
other than God's promise that he would back you up and lead you in, in the front. This is the guy who was ready to follow God's leading and also to step out in front in faith and dare others to step up with him. And so when you see people like that, this is like an interruption. He's a pastor. He normally preaches and leads and does normal pastor stuff at his church. I asked him about that very thing in a couple different ways, and he answered me in a very specific way. I want to play that clip for you now. Okay, I had a question for you. You answered it very well. That's it again. I asked you if you had time as a pastor to prepare for preaching when you're doing all of this work, getting these refugee centers together. What was your answer for me? Yes, my answer was uh, for two weeks I didn't preach. I just uh, said to my church, you know, guys, this is not time for preaching. I think it's time for action. Yeah. So uh, we just have to work. Yeah. Uh, we are so full with uh, knowledge, and now it's time to show. Uh, and I believe what you are doing here, this is preaching, because this is what Jesus said to do. And I think, I think about James 1, about yeah. true religion is taking care of the widow and the orphan. So. You are doing the work. We're very proud of you for that. So thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you very much. Friends, as I mentioned at the top of the program, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Like a laser. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw to the point of indescribable exhaustion, I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon, even as this rescue operation rapidly sweeps the refugees farther west, away from the fighting. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please, give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. And you can text Serve Ukraine, that's one word, to 53445 to make a gift right now through your phone. And make sure to let your friends know about that option, too. Thank you, friends, for letting God expand your faith through real activist giving today. And now, back to our discussion. So as far as I'm concerned, honey, when he says the time is for action, not for preaching, what he's saying is to live the gospel, not just hear it. Mm -hmm. And being a hearer of the word and not a doer is dead. And James makes that very clear to us. And all the apostles talk that way, too. you got to do the word if it's going to really mean anything. And I see that in Pastor Mm -hmm. Mm Adi. Pastor Adi is a great example to all of us in how we live our lives as uh, kingdom workers every day. I want to pivot now to a gal that you met at the same place, and her name is Alina, and she's Ukrainian. She was staying with a family there in Pastor Adi's community and was helping out. Tell us a little bit about Alina and what you learned of her story. Well, Alina was a pretty brave girl, and she was very gracious to give us a good 15 or 20 minutes worth of interview, which we're going to play in tomorrow's program. But her story basically is being young, early 20s, discovering Jesus later in her teen years, but she got active in youth ministry and then in uh, college ministry. 
And there are a number of universities there in that town of Kharkiv that were renowned across the country because Kharkiv is the second largest city in the country of Ukraine. So we're talking millions of people. And it, by the way, is the first city that got devastated with all the bombings and is still under siege. Well, this community, this church, was one of the places that was completely and openly and forthrightly international. They had seen plenty of issues of racism in the society in general, and they addressed it front on. They said, we have many, many international students here in this city. We are going to reach out to them, make sure they know they're safe, that they're not going to have any problems with us and with the community. We'll stand for them. Which was saying a lot because that city had taken in a whole bunch of international students from Central Africa, from India, from other parts of Asia. Many different colors, many different languages, many different styles and cultures. I mean, it was a very diverse group of international students that were there in those universities. So Alina was kind of like a mentor to those folks, helping them understand the language better, navigate through the culture of that part of Ukraine, and to understand their context, but also to love them in the kingdom. So the kingdom first, their culture second, all about those people that God has sent them. That was their attitude. Well, by the time the, the war was getting ready to ramp up, they could sense something big was coming. It was not going to be good. And so they started helping their international students make connections with their embassies, consulates, mm. to discuss how they would go about getting out of there if they needed to. They were already busy with that plan, and then the war started abruptly and foiled all those plans. Okay, so Alina was stuck with the responsibility of trying to figure out what to do with all these international students. It turned out to be a group of well over 20 or 30 people in one church alone that was serving them and getting to know them. They were part of their fellowship groups. She was given the task of somehow getting out of Kharkiv to the West in order to get them out of Ukraine. No resources, just a train. So she assembled all of these international students and led them across country under fire while the bombs are being dropped and the tanks are moving in on Ukraine and made it all the way through to the Moldovan border and then walked them through the Romanian border and got them into Romania. Mm. She had just finished doing that in the couple of days before we got there. She realized that they needed help to get all the way to Bucharest. So she solved that problem, met Pastor Adi. He was saying, who else do you know that can speak good English and good Ukrainian so we can help them? Because we don't have many people that speak Ukrainian in my congregation. And she said, well, I can stay for a while. Hmm. She volunteered to stay put and be the lead interpreter for that church and the reception committees that were there at the border and try to help people do the same thing that she was helping her students do. Every single one of her international students had made it to Bucharest and were talking with their embassies and were getting out of the country. So she accomplished that task. Her next task then was to do the same thing for whoever else God brought her right there. So we'll let her speak for herself in a few of these clips, but that's pretty much the context of this young lady. And you can understand, I think, honey, why she impressed me. It wasn't even the scheduled appointment. It's amazing. Wow, this is the first day you're there. Two amazing people that you met on the first day just by God's providence in meeting them. Thank the Lord your driver had the wherewithal, you know, to introduce you to his pastor and see the amazing work that they're doing there. I really look forward to seeing updates on the buildings that they're putting in place there and hearing more stories from Pastor Adi and Alina and what they're doing at the border there between Moldova and Romania. His project in his faith stretch year was twofold. One was to actually have the resources and people to be present. So the church was stepping mm -hmm. up. Like he said in his interview segment that we played earlier, his people are in the doing mode, mm -hmm. not the preaching mm -hmm. mode. And of course, that means living it out, which is the best sermon you could possibly do anyway. One of the things that you said in that clip was, that is the gospel. That is preaching mm -hmm. the gospel. The doing is the gospel and is an action word. 
it's a great uh, testament to Pastor Adi and how he is leading his congregation. Yep. It's not just about the willingness to do it or saying, let's get together and do something good together. His faith also went to the point of being willing to make commitments. And I mean like money commitments, Mm -hmm. monetary focus on the need, which meant that his church, which did not have a lot of resources, went ahead and signed the contract for these buildings to be put on this pad so they would have this welcome center. And he booked them for six months because he just knew in his heart this thing was not going to get solved in the next three weeks or a month. This is going to be a bigger issue for a longer period of time. Long term, yeah. And they were already seeing at that one little border crossing, that one bridge was seeing over 4,000 people a day coming across. Stunning. He committed with his church to take on the responsibility to lease those buildings. And altogether, those three or four buildings that he had put on the site were going to cost him about 1500 U.S. dollars a month for mm-hmm. the next six months. Mm-hmm. That's money they don't have. But he said, God said to do this, so I know he'll provide, but we must not say no when he says go. Mm-hmm. And so he's doing it. Yes, uh, Conscious International and Compassion Radio are going to find a way to be assisting him in that. We're already going to be sending back a engineer. One of the guys who was with us on this trip is actually going to go back and spend time with them and help them work on some other projects on that site to make it even more welcoming. So he'll be with them for a few weeks mm. next month. Mm-hmm. I think my big takeaway from this conversation, Bram, is just that we need to be open to hearing from the Lord and have him change our plans when mm. we think we already have plans. And having eyes to see the things that God is doing in places that we don't expect it. Yeah. Um, that's what Pastor Adi is about. That's what Alina is about. They are people who showed up and people who answered the call when God said, this is what you need to do. And they walked in faith. It is a challenge to me. It is an encouragement to me. And it is exciting to me to continue to see the way God works around the world, the kingdom at work and his hands and feet doing the things that he's called him to do. And I love that challenge. And I want it to challenge our listeners to be about the business of the kingdom and the hands and feet of God and encourage them again to help support Serve Ukraine, to go ahead and Text that, serve Ukraine to 53445 and give whatever you can to help this ministry. Their faith is an ongoing faith. They're just getting started in this particular project of their own. And there are many other projects you'll hear about across Romania and Moldova that are part of this ongoing effort to help not just relieve the burden on the refugees coming across, but to give them real hope Mm -hmm. and to be there for them. Because the next wave of refugees are not going to get it quite so easy in the West because you know, they're bottlenecks now. There are people that are backing up in the system. And who knows how long the welcome and the compassion of the West is going to be there when things just keep coming and coming, because there's millions right now that are internally displaced already. Mm-hmm. And many more millions are going to have to go across that border in order to find some kind of safety before people start starving. Yes. So it's going to be more difficult along the way. And so it's absolutely essential that those frontline churches, the ones that are able to receive them now, are able to establish themselves and get practice at this and be creative. And we need to be praying for them, of course. But at the very least, I know we can jump into a program like this Serve Ukraine text to give that we were talking about earlier. Even $5. And if you found 15 or 20 people out there were saying, yes, I'd be willing to help with $5. And just spreading around this one link, texting the word Serve Ukraine to 53445, would be a grass fire, I would think, of reaching out thousands of people rather than just a few hundreds mm-hmm. to make a difference. Even that $5 gift or a 10 or 25 or $100 could go a huge distance to feeding people and helping the church be able to provide housing for them, provide interpreters, 
make way for ministry to really happen, to preserve lives and to give hope. That's what we want to be part of. I know you friends want to do the same thing and be part of it. So please don't hesitate to do it yourself. Try it out. See what it takes for you to make a gift through the text to give option. And then let your friends know about that through all of your social media contacts. So again, I thank you so much for joining us on this program. We'll pick up a story tomorrow and tell more about Alina's testimony on tomorrow's program. There's no doubt that trying times bring out the best and the worst in mankind. I pray that God will bring out the very best of Him in you today. Friends, as I mentioned at the top of the program, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Like a laser. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon, even as this rescue operation rapidly sweeps the refugees farther west, away from the fighting. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. The toll-free number is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can mail Compassion Radio at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And we're online 24-7 at CompassionRadio.com. Don't wait, friends. Join us online to find out how you can be involved with this unique and timely ministry. And you can text Serve Ukraine, that's one word, to 53445 to make a gift right now through your phone. And make sure to let your friends know about that option, too. Thank you, friends, for letting God expand your faith through real activist giving today. If you missed anything on today's program, of course, the podcast is always available online at CompassionRadio.com. So check that out, too. I'm Bram Floria. Thanks so much, and we'll see you tomorrow.